September 3rd, 1777. The flag of the United States is flown in battle for the first time at the Battle of Cooch's Bridge, which led immediately to the Siege of Taintburg and is right around the corner from where the fudge is made. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I am Zach Powers. And returning once more, Chris Boriff, everyone. Hello, everybody. Hey. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I wasn't sure the kind of energy you would bring, and it was very much like sort of journeyman youth pastor. Sure, sure, I've gotten that. Yeah, Chris has brought some puppets to teach us about the dangers mm-hmm. of drugs. Mm-hmm. Yep, abstinence only education is the best. <laughs> um, listen, we're already putting out disclaimers. Uh, I don't it's know not if you've heard people. of a little lady named Nancy Reagan, but she's got a slogan of her own. <laughs> Once you pop, you just can't. Unfortunately, stop. we can't repeat it without many, many bleeps. Uh, <laughs> listen, yeah, in the private, in private, let's be honest. Uh, they said just say no. In private, the Reagans, uh, they were saying a different word that started with N. Uh, pretty, pretty frequently. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, fuck yep. the Reagans. Yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I honestly, I imagine it's probably like Nixon tapes level, but. Oh, I've, sure, yeah. I've, uh, you know, just make an arms deal, send some crack to. I mean, wherever. you know, here's the thing: they started bussing in the, you know, the age and the spirit of social justice. Maybe they just decided to up it to airplane delivery of crack cocaine. You know, they were just trying to move it <laughs> yeah. forward for the kind people working in the lower class areas that they were like. <laughs> Yeah. Doing their thing with well, anyway, that one kind of lost train in the middle of it. There you go. Go ahead, listeners. Speaking of speaking of losing train, we've uh, we've been sort of off schedule lately. Of course, as we've talked about before, um, I have a baby. We all have jobs, um, and it's hard being in your thirties. Um, just straight up. So thank you for being patient with us, and we are gearing up. We are in the middle of our uh, figures from anti-fascist history uh, series, which is going to be timely for the next several years. Let's just face it. Um, and then we're gearing up for Halloween. Very which possibly decades. I I chose to be a little optimistic, but yeah, qu- quite true. Uh, yeah. Just but, before the election, yeah, it, where we, uh, where, where the threat of fascism looms largest, at least for the next couple of years, we're going to switch to spooky stories. Yeah. <laughs> just really, just some serial killers and cannibal monsters, just yeah. to sort of take the edge off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna lean away from the Schindler's List and lean into the Pennywise the Clown for a little while. Yeah, yeah. when I heard you guys are doing it, and then it was also called The Revisionists, I was like, this is a bold choice all around, guys. Anti-fascists and the show's called Revisionists. You're going to have a very interesting CEO oh, yeah, time yeah, yeah. with I the people who together, organically right, yeah. find the, what the if, podcast. What yeah. if they were pro-fascists? <laughs> what if the fascists made it work? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't such a bad idea. <laughs> Jeez. Have we considered what Francisco Franco uh, could have done? 
<laughs> of course, the oldest Franco brother. Um, <laughs> so dumb. Really, the yeah. li- the most likable of the Francos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I Joe mean, depending, Fran- <laughs> depending on who you ask. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Franco, obviously a fan favorite. I like the bonus Franco. <laughs> I don't remember Zepo. the rest of the Jonas Brothers names. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, listeners, what we do on the show is, uh, first of all, we don't book fascists. So typically we don't run the risk of someone being like, you know what I want to talk about. <laughs> At least no one who is openly a fascist. They might. What secrets Chris holds in his heart? We don't truly. Know. I mean, I, mean, I turned. Don't even I have. turned forty-three recently. I could be on the verge of becoming the next, uh, maybe Rush at Limbaugh, something like that. Maybe not a full yeah. Limbaugh, maybe a half. You know, Rush. Knows? Rush didn't have any political beliefs, like ever, until he was <laughs> like thirty-five years. Until old. he started getting paid for them, basically. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He just landed a right-wing radio gig and suddenly became Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Which somehow makes it worse to me. Yeah, like truly, in his 30s, he was just like a regular-ass DJ, never expressed any political opinions whatsoever, Count by his friend's account, didn't have any real political beliefs, didn't even vote. <laughs> are, are you so wild that like the conservative radio station was like, yeah, let's go with this guy. Let's go with yeah. fucking the morning zoo crew. Yeah, he has no idea what's going on in politics. Great, let's put him on. Mm-hmm. Perfect for conservative policy. Mm-hmm. Great. The um, previous guy got uh, fired for being super racist. Then what the... Did they stop paying? Were they just like, well, we we changed hands once. Can't do it again. I guess. I don't know. He got too big for the... I think he got big beyond that radio station. I can't remember. Who, who was the racist point. before Limbaugh? Uh, there, was it Don it Imus? Quick, but we could continue was it talking. Imus? No, Imus no. was like a, it was somebody not cat. super. Uh, uh, was it well known? He was like a local San Diego or San Francisco. Um, fellow okay, okay. So it was who, that, or like like, like, a, like a he made like a he made racist jokes Muller. about. Yeah, he made racist <laughs> jokes about uh, some Asian like city councilman or something like that uh, oh i remember yeah i remember hearing about that after rush limbaugh thankfully died yeah. um <laughs> anyway shout out steve mudflat mcgrew or whatever mm-hmm. um shout out the uh the grim reaper of death for finally yeah. taking back one it for was, the team <laughs> yeah the guy he replaced was a local fellow and 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 limbaugh made it national gotcha gotcha <laughs> well uh Listeners, last time on the show, uh, we discussed t- t- Raul Wallenberg. Sorry, it, I had it, and then it escaped me for a second. Uh, last time on the show, we discussed Raul Wallenberg, uh, and of course, rightfully, the true story one, um, where he, he literally saved at the most conservative Tens estimate to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. So, if you. This is this is one of those series where I just like openly express how uncomfortable the very premise of the show makes me sometimes. <laughs> this is just look, it's a conceit. We don't have to lean that far into it. It's just a goof. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time we're discussing Sister Kate McCarthy, 
Uh, and Chris, you're doing the actual history. That is correct. All right. So whenever you're ready, uh, take oh, us away. Oh, that was that was my cue. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about Sister Kate McCarthy. She is a six foot tall nun. Um, <laughs> I'm starting this story out with that because I just think it's important to remember every other part of this story happens with an extremely tall <laughs> Irish Catholic nun. Um, I miss uh, the six foot tall part, but she, if you see pictures of her face, she has very much like tall nun energy, which yeah. I went to Catholic school. It is a thing. Yeah, it, it's intense. It looks like you wouldn't want to take her in a fist fight, and she could definitely pull you like through a wall like a RoboCop <laughs> to make you stop doing whatever you're doing. Um, so here's what goes on. Uh, she's born in a place called Drominity, Dromina League, uh, which is somehow uh, in Cork, Ireland. Uh, when I looked this up, they described it with three names or four names, and they tried to explain what it was. And when I looked it up on the map, I was like, all right, Cork Island, I don't understand what the rest of those streets or meanings mean, so I'm going to give up on it, but it's way south. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's out there kicking around. At 18, she decides, I'm going to become a nun. So that was immediately what she did out of the gate. Um, It was uh, like 1913. She joined the Franciscan Orders. and uh, Obviously, this woman, uh, she's concluded the series... Great, love love that for her. Lame move to become a nun at eighteen. <laughs> Real loser stuff. <laughs> to join the church. Wow, I feel I feel awkward because I'm I'm an atheist and I have to fight the argument for a nun on this. Um, Look, well, here's the thing I'm, about nuns. Uh-huh. Nuns are actually there's definitely some shitty nuns. Um, Mother Teresa, kind of. Um, but like a, not, a lot of nuns are actually pretty tight. Um, well, I so guess so. this lady will grow. I on object you. to the structure of Catholicism <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, nuns, not I not all nuns, nuns. Brian says. I fuck yeah. with nuns. Yeah, not all not all nuns. Well, you might fuck with nuns. I don't think nuns fuck with anybody else but Jesus. But no, here's the, the thing: no, no, they do not. Ev- evidently, she got a new name. Like I didn't know this about nuns. Like you can they they marry. Mm. I guess Jesus, and then get like their gang name. So in her case, it was like Sister yeah. Mary Lawrence, <laughs> which is fine. Jesus, um, I just didn't I mean, realize Jesus it was a thing. The, how many Jesus got? Got a few. Got a few people lined up on the side, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, really it's got, a harem. Uh, it's a harem. It's part of the vows to become uh, Jesus's side piece. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Um. So anyway, she three days on the cross, and, but then uh, yeah. you know. I keep getting older. Uh, yeah, they well, say the, stay the same age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also like you know he 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 uh, he has to lay down, but uh, he'll he'll rise again in seven days. That's the thing. He has that refractory period. You have to wait around for. Um, so yeah. it was three, but sure. Three? I thought it was seven days. I have no idea. I you see. Just I'm like an atheist. I, I follow God Catholic created Church the, the world same way. In seven days. I follow it the same Jesus way. I follow was Marvel. resurrected on the third day. <laughs> it's all Marvel okay. shit to me. <laughs> it's like they don't have the Thor guy in there, but it's still okay. It's uh, you know by the Thor guy. Do you mean Thor? Yeah, yeah, the Thor guy, <laughs> <laughs> the Freya's... Norse one or the Marvel one? Uh, it's uh, fuck it. Who cares? Fre- Freya's Freya's bro, I guess. Um, so Bethune, France. Let me just jump us forward to this. War breaks out. War. 
hot action war. What is World it? World War One. Uh, exactly. And uh, so what happens is she. The answer was absolutely is, nothing, but sure. Nothing. Nothing. But she goes from Cork, Ireland to Bethune, France. So this lady decides to go to a war situation, not away from a war situation, because again, six foot tall nun who doesn't it's called, mess around. The town is called Bethune? Bethune. B-E-T-H-U-N-E. Yeah, it's probably got some very pretty pretty uh, French way of saying it. I'm just pronouncing it like that guy from uh, uh, the Angus movie, Angus Bethune, because I think that was his character name. Uh, dated myself. Anyway, so... <laughs> I, I um, should say so, because <laughs> I have no, no idea what no the one, fuck you're talking about. No one remembers Angus. Okay. Uh, anyway, war breaks out. Um, and she does her bit in it. She's at a, um, a field hospital in mm. Bethune, France. She's actually uh, working as a nun and as a nurse, doing the classic nurse-nun business. Mm-hmm. Um, after the war, she decides she's done with... Nurse by uh, day, nun by night. Yep, yep. And she decides she's done with it in France once the war is done. So she goes to Louisiana until World War II breaks out. And she decides again to go from Louisiana... In the chill 1920s to 1939s. Oh, classic Tennessee Williams. Yeah. Chill for some people. Louisiana in the 1920s. We should be clear. I very plainly meant just chill for a white nun who went to Louisiana (laughs) and was also six feet tall and a Catholic. But for her, it's all fucking mint juleps and Paul Newman in a cast uh, dealing (laughs) Uh with the fact that he's... (laughs) Secretly yeah, gay. Big Papa or whatever. <laughs> Bach. He played Bach. Um, um, she was also, I just saw this, yes. uh, the eldest of nine children, which uh, for the Irish is basically an only child, I think. <laughs> probably. I mean, she probably most likely became a nun because there were no parents left. I'm assuming that her parents <laughs> were so old. They were like, you have to leave or you have to come with us to the home. Yeah, and just so, to clarify, he played Brick. I'm sorry, I don't want to get emails. We're not big enough a podcast to get emails, but either way, I don't want to get emails. Yeah, yeah, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is a great movie. Um, yeah. uh, is that the movie you guys are talking about? Probably not. Yeah, um, Paul Newman in a cast writing game. How many movies are there where <laughs> yeah. Paul Newman is a man in a cast who is secretly a repressed homosexual? I, <laughs> Set in probably. New Orleans. Sure, sure. Cat on a hot tin roof. Um, and there's also cats on a hot tin roof where Mr. Mistopheles is a repressed homosexual <laughs> with a broken leg. Who just has to find his secret Played name. Played by so Paul he can Newman. Finally be himself. Um, okay, so back to it. World War II. Um, she is back in the heated heart of France. She has gone to Bethune to once again be a nurse. And here's what goes down. She decides she doesn't want to do the nursing this time. She wants to go to the next step. She wants to actually cause trouble for the Nazis. So what she does is this. She joins the Musée de l'Homme, which I did not pronounce right, but is like M-U-S-E-E-D-E-L-H-O-M-M-E. And evidently it's a big part of the French... You honestly got pretty close. How do you pronounce it? Do you know? Musée de l'Homme. Okay, good. That's that's far yeah. not, prettier than what close. I said. <laughs> Let's be real. I mean, no, no I was I was definitely falling off a log. 
Look, I'd rather say you got pretty close and be generous than be like, fuck you, you piece of shit. You non-French speaking fuck. That's that's the sort of hosting I would expect. That's the thing. It's too friendly (laughs) here. Um, But yeah, so she joins the French resistance. She's doing her thing. She's making sure that people get out safe. She actually gets 120 allied soldiers out in her time doing this. Except... Mm -hmm. It eventually comes down the line where in 1941, um, a courier gets caught and tortured by the Nazis, and he winds up having to give up our good friend Sister Kate to the Gestapo. Um, this, this, this is where the story gets a little bit more intense because some of the stuff happening is real stuff. Yeah. Um, so, again, we're going to put it in the show notes, but going to mm-hmm. put a very specific content warning right here. Yeah, so basically what goes on is her uh, courier gets caught um, and arrested by the Gestapo, and after he's been tortured, he winds up giving her up. Um, And this is before the intense, intense portion of sending people to camps. So -hmm. what they were doing at the time is anyone who was a political dissenter, rather than killing them right off, they would beat them severely and arrest them. So she actually went into solitary confinement for a year and in 1942 they finally um held her court case which was also when they decided to finally clear out their jails and they sentenced her to death um and if you think that the story is about to end it's not this uh this keeps going um basically uh, she got bounced around to different jails after this and i guess nobody really wanted to be the one to uh actually execute a nun so they kept kind of passing it along yeah, like, it's bad i don't want to do this you want to do this let's get someone else to do this um so she wound up bouncing around yeah, yeah. to that's Dussel. why they used to call hot potato death row nun <laughs> jesus <laughs> yes yeah the child's game death row nun yes honestly for most of history that sounds like most children's rhymes mm-hmm Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, so what happens is, is a series of her getting passed to Dusseldorf, Lubeck, Hamburg. Finally, um, once the war is really getting going and they have the concentration camps set up, she, in 1942, gets sent to Ravensbrück, which is a women's concentration camp. And um, during this period of time, um, she got herself into more trouble. Uh, basically the reason she eventually went to this concentration camp is because she would do this form of resistance anywhere she got sent where she would just resist whatever they asked her to do. So nothing big, nothing too dramatic, but when they asked her to make gas masks, she made a big deal about not making gas masks. So when she was in jail and they were like, all right, well, we're going to send you to the concentration camp. So that's when she ended up in Ravensbrück. Um, like I said, this was a woman's concentration camp, but that doesn't mean that it was even slightly nice. It was no. not not safe at all. Like she would see people beaten to death in front of her. Um, again, super serious topic. Um, to get through this quickly, she would work 12 hour days. Uh, this is all hand labor. Um, they would give them tasks like digging in sand or unloading coal or digging up tree roots. Uh, during this period of time, she caught typhus um, and they also were giving people like a, a sub subsistence diet 
of turnip water to survive on. She would get a boiled turnip in water once a day, and that was it. Um, she went from 70 kilograms to, 50, excuse me, 26 kilograms. And to put that in American numbers, she went from 6 foot tall, 154 pounds, to 6 foot tall, 57 pounds. So Jesus. if you can think of her size, it's incredibly grim. But I would like to point out one other thing in this story. She keeps avoiding the gas chamber by hiding. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to just throw out there that she is probably better at hiding than the Bigfoot. Because she's a <laughs> six foot tall woman hiding yep. in a concentration camp from Nazis who were solely focused on jamming her into an oven. And she says, no, nah, I'm going to hide. And she does it successfully four times, just completely avoids, runs and hides. They pick her out in the line again and again and again. It just doesn't happen. And then finally, in 1945... This does also go along with something we pointed out last time and we'll continue to point out. Um, Nazis, very dumb. A lot of them yeah. just incredibly, incredibly... <laughs> <laughs> and or oh. you know there's like an element i think of laziness yes. like yeah. they're brutal but ultimately if it if their brutality requires a degree of extra effort beyond pulling a trigger or you know swinging a truncheon uh then yeah i don't yeah. want to fill out the fucking paperwork i don't want to yeah yeah look yeah, I mean, I just I mean that's that partially part why it was so, like, mechanized, pretty much. I mean, not unlike cops, I might say. Yep. But I don't want the part where yeah. I, like... I like the part where I hurt people. I don't want to do the the fucking work part. Yeah. <laughs> that actually does sound kind of correct. Um, side note, I also am a big dork for the Enigma box. Mm -hmm. So, one of the fun things with that is that originally there's a guy named Marian Rajewski, who you guys this should probably... This is for listeners who don't know... Um, the evil scheme the Riddler has in Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the Enigma box. Yeah, the uh, Enigma box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, it's the uh, whatever it was. The German super secret code uh, system that was unbreakable for a while. Um, yeah. The original version of it before it became completely unbreakable was the one they were invading Poland with. There was a math genius named Marian Rajewski, which I really encourage you guys to do some research on or maybe even do an episode on because he is fantastic um basically uh using a simple set of math he was able to break down the code and break uh so that they could actually find out what the tank orders were and things like that eventually the box was changed to involve a series of wires at which point that code breaking system no longer worked however the reason i'm bringing this up is because they found one quirk in german mindset that allowed them to keep breaking the dang code daily and it was that amongst the many choices they had between numbers and things like that they could choose a letter to key in for the start of the code and wouldn't you know it being german they did it alphabetically <laughs> they didn't they wouldn't pick the they didn't pick the number randomly they just did it alphabetically and they never changed that tactic ever so 
it kind of goes with what you're saying that uh the least amount of resistance is always what an evil nazi is going to go for that makes sense yeah we referenced probably i think before we recorded the the wire briefly but there is a code that is broken in the first season of that that this kind of reminds me of where they can't figure it out for the longest time and when they break it it's incredibly easy because like people who have no mathematical or vocabulary skills have to be able to know it very quickly. Mm -hmm. So it just becomes like, yeah, it's like this thing of like, you, you got to teach this code, which to be effective has to be complicated to grunts who are dummies. And, uh, uh, yeah, like it's the same thing. Like, yeah, that same laziness that, that gives away the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. So, uh, to kind of finish off, uh, Sister Kate's uh, trek through World War II, she is liberated from the camp by the Swedish Red Cross in 1945. Um, she goes to, I believe, England at this point to recuperate from what has occurred to her um, and gain her weight back. Um, she was able to see her brother Dan for the first time since 1936 while she was recuperating and eventually uh, returns to France in 1946 and is decorated by Charles de Gaulle as well as Winston Churchill for her work uh, bringing people across the border. Um, and just so recently as uh, I think last year, there is a 92-year-old woman whose name is escaping me right now but i will find it um essentially this lady um who is now 92 uh her sorry there might be an edit point here real quick okay kate kate mccarthy nope that is the sister we're talking about <laughs> crap i should have had this written down uh sylviet lelu that's who we're talking mm -hmm. about um this lady was uh about five years old they think during world war ii and she has a vague memory of a nun sneaking her to freedom like she mm -hmm. got handed off by a number of nuns throughout her time in france and she's now attempting to find out through uh the family of kate mccarthy if by any chance this woman was the lady who helped her to freedom this lady's 92 now Mm -hmm. And a great deal of the information I got from this came from the article, so I can send it to you if you want to put that in your show notes. Yeah. But it's uh, kind of charming to see a little old lady who's now 82, uh, or 92, excuse me, and still alive because this lady helped her out. Well, and um, before we move on, one of the things I do just love about Sister Kate McCarthy um when she was, like, in prison, like, before she was moved to Ravensbrook, um, they, I mean, part of, like, her resistance to, like, the forced labor, you mentioned, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fucking make gas masks. Um, but also, she did engage in some other acts of sabotage. Um, one, like, they were, like, ordered to make, like, shirts for German officers, and she, like would flush the shirt buttons down the toilet just to stop yeah. the assembly line, basically. Um, I, I think I remembered hearing that. And it, it, it's also the, the parachutes, correct? Yeah, and this one is my absolute favorite. Uh -huh. um, where she was given... Apparently, 
Um, and very thankful they, well, no, I'm not going to say that, but like very thankful the Nazis were very dumb because they made the people they imprisoned manufacture belts for paratroopers, for German paratroopers to hold their parachutes. And so what Kate McCarthy did um, is she would go through the belt she made and unpick like every like fifth stitch she made um, so that the parachutes would fall apart. And it's estimated uh-huh. that she killed like hundreds of German paratroopers this way. <laughs> uh, just because like they would jump out of plane and go into free fall. Um, yeah, it's it's some real genius there. And you put your, uh, your people who hate you in charge of your safety equipment. That's yeah. always a question. Yeah. One of my, the article I read about that also, let me, I pulled it up. So it, right after it talks about her, like, sending hundreds of German paratroopers to their death, the next paragraph is a quote from someone that just said, she was very feisty and had a brilliant sense of humor. It's like, yeah, dog. Yeah, that's feisty as hell, dude. Um, but yeah, yes. this lady's badass. Um, yeah. That's a badass six foot nun. I don't, I have no evidence she ever played basketball, but I imagine she could dunk on someone. Um, but yeah. yes. Six foot, yeah, quite, 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 uh, quite tall. Like mm-hmm. I'm five seven and I can't, but I feel like that five inches makes up for a lot of things. Um, but anyway, Chris, <laughs> thank you for... <laughs> Uh, I don't think we mentioned this. He uh, passed away in 1971 oh, yes. on yes. June oh, 21st. Yeah, yeah, she was 76, I believe, was the math when I did it. Every story has an end. Yes. Um, but, Chris, thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, uh, that Zach. was a lot of facts. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what we do, baby. And now this is the other thing we do, baby. Um, Zach, whenever you're ready. Uh, yeah, Sister Kate McCarthy. Um, she actually uh, went back to Louisiana for a time because that's where she was from mm. originally. Uh, she was born Dolores Wilson. Um, and she grew up in the heart of... You know, Louisiana, a lot of jazz, a lot of, like, uh, <laughs> early African-American music. Um, you know, that was what was influencing her life. And as she got older, she, you know, at age 17, mm-hmm. witnessed a mob murder. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she had to be put into witness protection. So she uh, event the... The FBI cooked it up. I guess she's a French nun. And mm-hmm. so she went out to France. <laughs> this, this is where they had like the Looney Tunes writing staff coming up with identities <laughs> for witness protection. Yeah. I mean, she, she went out to France and uh, she taught all these dry ass uh, buffoon area nuns. Um how to really like uh you know dance and sing and you know in a real like uh louisiana style um which was a lot of fun for everybody involved uh i don't remember how that movie ended but it worked (laughs) out 
And uh, there was I mean, it got one. a sequel, so I imagine it was like a pretty good ending. And there was another adventure after that that yep. I don't remember at all. Where she was back was in a, the habit. Yeah. Yeah, she went to back to the habit. Um, mm-hmm. Presumably, at the end of the first, at, at the end of the first one, she was able to go back to world life, but went back back to the habit out of choice this time because she mm-hmm. had so much fun being a nun. In the meantime, she is no longer on the run. She is doing all the stuff Chris said. Like she's, it's, it's not like she's not doing that. This is just supplemental life material for the most part. Um, but you know, when you have to go into the witness protection, you learn a lot about protecting, about keeping yourself out of the limelight, hiding, protecting your identity. No snitch. So, yeah, exactly. So eventually when uh, she goes to these prisons and she gets picked out for, for, for terrible things, she knows how to avoid, um, avoid those things. And it's by adopting a new identity, say, uh, a Scottish nanny who gets pie on her face. That's not the one we saw earlier. It's a different person. (laughs) She finds a mask inhabited by the spirit of Loki, right? You can use that to undo a lot of stitches very fast. And also this green face, like swallow dynamite or whatever. Yeah. That person must be new here. That's not, you know, not the one you're going to pick. Somebody stop them. Everyone. (laughs) Are you trying to suggest that she might have had some uh, supernatural control over object permanence? (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. She she, exactly. She would say things like smoking and somebody stop. Um, um, And nobody stopped her and uh, the world is better for it. Um, so so that's that's good that's good um is that that your whole counterpoint (laughs) so so nobody nobody did stop um not sure if you're laughing or weeping right now (laughs) at a certain point uh also uh that person that uh chris mixed up who he called uh kate mccarthy at the near the end of his story um uh she single white femaled her for a while so that's why he mixed them up that's why that happened so that's a that is a very different sort of movie than the ones we've been dealing with but she dealt with it. It was it was fine. Look, um, also, uh, apparently, Sister Act ends with the hitman catching up with the nun and ordering his goons to kill her. Uh, but they don't want to shoot a nun, basically. Pra- so, that's, so that's practice. Um, also, is like, it, is less than a year between, like, sis- the release. No, sorry. Like a year and a half between the oh, release shit. of Sister Act and Sister Act Two, back in the that's habit. like eighties slasher. That is yeah. turn around. Yeah. That's well, crazy. which one? Which one had uh, Lauren Hill in it? Um, that was Sister Act Two. Colin, oh, okay, back in the good. habit. Um, which, by the way, back in the habit, one of the best subtitles for it. Oh, yeah. underrated. Very, very uh, good. Really, really good pun. And also, um, just like 
very, very far down. First of all, Harvey Keitel plays the bad guy in Sister Act. Um, very Anyways. far down. Second from bottom on the cast list for Sister Act is the dude playing, quote, Pope John Paul II, which I don't, I didn't remember him coming up in the story at all. <laughs> I don't remember that happening either. Uh, anyways, later in life, after the war, uh, she got to date young Ted Danson for a while, so. <laughs> and, until, for... until he, he did some blackface, right? I think that was the, yeah, that, uh, was, that was the, that was, the end that was of that. Problem. That was definitely a problem. Wait, but, so we're back uh, in Whoopi Goldberg territory now. Who's this Whoopi Goldberg letter you're talking about? We're still yeah, talking about Sister uh, Kate McCarthy. And also, Whoopi, uh, she uh, <laughs> she was in Ghost. She was a major. Uh-huh. She won a she won a Best Supporting Actress uh, Oscar for yeah. Ghost. Yeah, so I, you I might believe have heard she, of... she was 96 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to speak over you, Zach. Please tell us more. Yeah. So that's that's you know that's what really. I mean, all the stuff Chris said, like, I'm not just really refuting any of it. I'm just adding details. <laughs> I mean, she and found of course, a magical mask. And, yeah, and, she she was sort of an advisor to Jean-Luc Picard. At a, at a, at a dangerous point, she put some pie on her face to and said, oh, hello, to, to disguise. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was. And, and, she, and she used to send secret messages back and forth with uh, uh, records playing old Rolling Stones albums. Like Jumping yeah. Jack Flash? Uh, she was... I'm just remembering deep point, cuts. One negative point. She was uh, kind of a dick to Pierce Brosnan, even though he seems like a really good guy. But that's the only thing that I can say against her. <laughs> we're, we're just... Is this a movie, or is this the just the, oh, uh, the sister sorry, Kate McCarthy in general? I didn't understand one of my disguise references, because I was doing a lot of 90s comedies, was Mrs. Doubtfire. That's oh. the pie in the face and uh, gotcha. the, the nanny uh, aspect. I thought, honestly, for a second, you were giving some like behind-the-scenes goss there and forgetting <laughs> that like no Pierce Brosnan was like the stepdad or whatever in that movie. Oh, yeah, he is. He's also apparently a very nice person in real life. Yeah, that so. that doesn't. He's got a nice face. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach, thank you. Yep. Um, before we move on to judgment, listeners, uh, I just want to say that if you want to write us a letter, uh, leave us a comment, um, ask us a question, you could do so at revisionistpodcast dot com. Just click on the contact button or reach out on Instagram. Uh, just search revisionist podcast. Um, also leave a review of this show on iTunes um, or whatever podcast service you use. Written reviews are especially helpful. Uh, so like, I don't know, just give us five stars and write your ideal nun height or something like that. Um, and we'll be very uh, thankful. Whoa. This sounds like a, f- a fetish that I don't want to explore. <laughs> <laughs> nun, I mean, nun gigantism. that's true yeah if anyone gives us like a nun the height of the vampire lady from the new resident evil like i'm gonna i'm gonna have to shut down (laughs) itunes comments for a little bit um oh they're making sister act three sorry i just sorry Anyway. Oh, her story's not finished, actually. <laughs> She's still alive, and uh, her adventures continue. Uh, finally, the, the Sister X cinematic universe will 
reach its conclusion. And fuck it, she's in the new Hocus Pocus too. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, I'd be so impressed if they got Lauren Hill to come back for Sister Act three. I would be very I impressed. Mean, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so I, that what could the subtitle be though? They can't beat Back in the Habit. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Listen, we don't no, have well, to it's, think it's, about it's, it. It's not, it's gonna, gonna be a, we aren't going to think of something clever as clever as Back in the Habit in the next I, two, you know. Oops, it, I'm in the, the Habit is, again. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. It, it'll be um, like something bad, like rehabilitation or something like that, or being rehabilitated ooh, or something like that. But it'll be like with like a little cartoon squirrel on the poster and you'll be like, I don't get that pun. And they'll still put it out because they'll be like, no, no, it's a pun. Yeah, yeah no, they'll say it's a squeakle. Yeah, yeah, squeakle. It's a pun. Yeah, no, it's a pun. Um, Chris and Zach, you co-host the Movie Trap podcast, which you're actually recording right after this. Yeah, I've 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 actually made several references to movies we've covered on the Movie mm-hmm. Trap during the uh, course. One of which we're about to talk about. Wait, which one? Yeah, uh, the Dazed and Confused reference is, uh, yeah. in fact, in reference to an episode we're about to record. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, we are going to be jumping into that uh, post haste right after this, and then it'll come out probably in two weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you were super professional in telling people how to interact with you. We can never figure it out. If anybody <laughs> wants to hit us up, come say hello to us. We're on uh, Twitter. Uh, heck, we're on YouTube. That's where we put it out most of the time that I see it. Uh, if you want to come say hello to us on Movie Trap, come say hello. It's it's uh, much like this show, except it's it's more me, Zach, and another guy named Carlson. Who's also former guest, Russell Carlson, future guest. Yes. Once and future guest. Um, yeah, and listeners, as for me, um, stay tuned. I plan on doing another uh, bake sale coming up, um, probably for... Um, to raise money for R.I.P. Medical Debt, uh, which is a group that buys people's outstanding medical debt for like pennies on the dollar and just forgives it. Um, so check them out because um, they do a lot of really cool work. And also, if you know anyone who has a bunch of medical debt, you can refer them to them. Um, but check that out. I'll be mentioning it on the Revisionist Instagram. Um so that brings us to <laughs> judgment, and uh, honestly, I I was very prepared, as I think I probably will be throughout this mini series, to go with the actual history. Um, Zach did kind of still win me over. I think I still need to like. M- just on a moral level, go with the actual history. Well, you have to remember that nobody stopped her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking goddamn it. <laughs> maybe The Mask is a very good movie, and I'm just. Maybe the, the comic book. The comic book is a very good comic book for the 90s. The okay. movie is its own separate world. Once you get to the baby mask movie, you're basically on bath salts. <laughs> is it, is that the one with Jamie Kennedy? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, I yeah. I I remember that. I remember that experience. Um, but listeners, voting is now open on Patreon. And 
I believe the villain in The Mask is played by one of the underlings in Judgment Night, a movie we've covered on the movie trap. That is correct. That is correct. They couldn't possibly have had the actual villain from The Mask because he was a giant creepy man that looks kind of like Marv from uh, uh, Sin City. It's like a big beast of a man. You can't really have that as a character, I guess. Mm. Oh, Cameron. Anyway, I got to stop looking up. Cameron Diaz. (laughs) Cameron Diaz. Oh, Cameron Diaz. You don't remember Cameron Diaz was in The Mask? No. That was her first movie. I mean, with Jim Carrey's magnetic performance. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, I got to stop looking. Oh, anyway. Um... Uh, sorry, a member of the Wire cast is also in the mask. Um, <laughs> listeners, voting is now open on Patreon. I'm going to keep looking up Michael 90s. Michael B. Mo- Jordan is in the mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If Michael B. Jordan played Baby Mask, that would have been, I think, a much better movie. <laughs> um, other than whatever sh- shitty kid they got to play the baby in that movie. Um it's a CGI homunculus is what they had in that movie. <laughs> Not what you think. That's actually the kid's initials and last name. Um, <laughs> the school was very rough for CGI homunculus. Um, voting is also going to be open on Instagram. The last minute voting the second Wednesday after this is released. So check that out. Uh, But that'll do it for this episode. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on your show. It was great being here talking about a Catholic as an atheist. (laughs) You did say, wait, did you say which one you voted for? Did I blank out for Oh, uh, the actual history. Just morally, Um, I feel compelled to. All right. For a second, I realized, I was like, wait, do I have a vote? That seems crazy. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is crazy. That is. Yeah, it is crazy. You're a woman. We are going to let you. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. Okay. I got to I got to go. I left. (laughs) Somebody's playing a game of uh, Death Road Nun. (laughs) Somebody's. All right. For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. I did what I did with this episode. No, that was fun. I liked it. Bye, Condios. Bye, <laughs> Condios.